Be in a minute, spider. <laughs> Chill out. Starting to sound like Cheech and Chong. <laughs> oh, great episode. We are going to Amsterdam. We're yes. going to check out what fishing is like in Amsterdam. Unbelievable. Would never have thought there's fishing there. Also, we're going to check out Coffin Bay in South Australia. You're a big fan of the oyster and you like, what do you call it? The elastic loosener. Oh, oysters are the best. They put a horn on a jellyfish. They are the <laughs> elastic loosener from the sea. And I'm going to give a little recipe. Uh, I love me o- Japanese oysters. Oysters kapow. They oh. are the best. If you've got a date, this is the one <laughs> thing to make. And it's so easy. So that's the best thing. And also you got a story about just being a little bit smarter on the water. Yeah, I've got a, sh- uh, a good story to share with you about fuel. Yes. Oh. The most important thing to take, Spider. <laughs> you would have thought so. <laughs> you would have thought so. That all, oh, but let's head over to the cafes of Amsterdam. No, let's no, hit the We're going fishing. We're going fishing. So ultimate fishing experience. experience. Yes. Okay. You can check them out. But Jules is about to give us an insight into fishing in the Netherlands. How are you? Thank you very much for joining us. I'm brilliant. Thank you very much. Nice to be on your show. Terrific. Hey, I've got to ask, um, you know, the Netherlands, you know, you, you, we look at all different places around the world and it's amazing where people fish, yes. catch fish. Yes. And all around the world, people are very passionate about their fishing, oh. aren't they? Yeah, they, they certainly are. And, you know, the Netherlands, it means the, the, the lowlands. Uh, and that means that all the water flows to our country, basically, all the water in Europe. So there's lots wow. of water and uh, lots of fish. So, yeah, that, uh, that makes it uh, a great fishing country for sure. So we're talking water from Europe flowing into your co- So we're talking fresh water, correct, Jewel? Yeah, that, that's right. That's uh, the main rivers, uh, the River Rhine, the River uh, Maas. Uh, they flow from France and Germany uh, to the Netherlands. And, uh, well, we've got a lot of uh, different waters. I, myself, I fish in Amsterdam, for example, on a big, uh, well, former part of the sea, actually. Now it's freshwater, but it used to be part of the sea. Wow, but, wow. Um, yeah, uh, you know, the old VOC ships in, like, 1600, they would sail uh, straight to uh, to Amsterdam. And, uh, well, that's dammed off now, of course, but it's a great, yeah, great historical place to, to fish for sure. Are you fishing uh, dams or rivers? Or are we fishing big bodies of, of man-made held-up water or are we fishing predominantly running rivers? Well, what I what I do in Amsterdam is basically a, a dam of part of the river. So it's called uh, the I, like uh, IJ. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a big body of water with uh, Zander, Perch. Uh, well, well, you know, I think you have kind of Perch, uh, freshwater Perch, don't you? Yeah, we have, yeah. We have certain that's, Perch, uh, yeah. Oh, bass. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, uh, well, we have the perch, the zander, like the American walleye family, yep. and uh, of course the pike. That's uh, that's a big fish, and they grow big. Uh, yeah, but we got to talk about that. Can I ask? Um, did you have you always lived in the Netherlands, or did you move from somewhere else? It's been interesting talking to people Definitely. over the uh, over the the podcast. Is a lot of them live somewhere else in the world and then go there because they just love the fishing. Yeah. Well, actually, that's true because I'm I'm from the south of the Netherlands. I was born basically next to the river Maas, um, but that was the only water there is. And back then, uh, when I started fishing early '80s, uh, that river was so polluted, like it was terrible. You, you, you didn't have to be Jesus to walk over the water there. It was so, <laughs> so dirty, so sick. 
<laughs> That's a good one. And, so have they cleaned that, that up? Was kind of, yeah, immensely, immensely. Like wow. international regulations about um, dumping shit in, in, in the rivers has worked really well. There's even salmon running up the rivers now. Not wow. much, but uh, there is. How great is that? That, yeah, you, that, that, that you, you, your country has really put restrictions small. in, you know? Yeah, it does work. You know, we mankind can pollute, we can destroy nature, uh, but we also we can, can it revive it. So, yeah. Yeah, we can. We can, and, and we must. So that's a good thing. That's right. But going back to where I was born in the south of Holland, that was very limited. And later I I noticed that Amsterdam has got great fishing, you know, great great bars, great women. And uh, <laughs> I moved. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You've said Amsterdam has got great bars, so it's got beer. That's it. It's got great women. Everything is there. Yeah. Everything yeah, is uh, there. Every, everything is there. So Amsterdam is, is the pinnacle Amsterdam. of the earth. There's not much uh, wrong uh, with Amsterdam for sure. It's, uh, I, I, that, that's why I moved to Amsterdam. It's basically for fishing. Don't, don't tell my wife. She, she <laughs> thinks it's for her. <laughs> and, you know, you're, funny you mentioned that beer and girls and fishing around Amsterdam. I was in Bali one year. And uh, I was on a flight to come home back to Australia. And myself and a mate of mine looked at the board and there was a flight going to Amsterdam. So we changed it without telling my missus. And I I ended up in Amsterdam (laughs) and I knocked on her girlfriend's door and she's rung up Cherie, my wife, and gone, why is Peter knocking on my door? And she's gone, why is he in Amsterdam? (laughs) Because it's the best place on earth. Absolutely. My my question would be, why are you not fishing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on your on your charters, what do you what do you do? What do you you look at uh, chasing? What do you use? How do you go about it? Is it well, half day, full day? It's uh, both half days and full days. And uh, in Amsterdam, in the city center, like the really the historical city center and um, the river I we fish for Xander uh, with light tackle Zander and perch. Uh, you know, that means casting with a um, quarter of an ounce to half an ounce uh, jigs, like uh, up to 10 centimeters, 10, 12 centimeters. Uh, and well, what's become really popular and super exciting is fishing the live scope of Garmin. I don't know if you fish with that, but then you can really target big individual fish with oh, live scope. Um, yeah that's next level on the live scope and that's that's really exciting you know you target yeah. a bigger individual fish and that's that's just super awesome so that's what i'll be doing in uh, half an hour actually from now wow <laughs> don't have to brag uh, okay no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll take the missus out a few beers you're in heaven I mean that live scope, like yep. you're saying, Jules, that that is like uh, really target fishing. It's it's like a what is um, it? It's a hunter. So there there is sounders now that you have live. So three sixty degree scope of so many meters around your boat, you can see the fish come into your zone and cast directly Absolutely. at that fish to try and get it to eat. So am I right? That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, so, absolutely right. And that's really a big game changer because previously with 2D sonar, you could see what happened till that very moment. But now with uh, the live scope, you can really see the fish behaving as if you're watching a video, basically. Yeah. Can I ask live, then? Uh, live stream, yeah. Can I ask? Okay, Herb, you're a fisherman. Yeah. Jules, you're a fisherman. 
Yeah. Is this cheating? Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm going to say no. no I'm no. going to say no. No, it's changing. It's not cheating, it's, it's changing. It's changing. And, and I've got to ask too, a lot of, are, are a lot of your fish released? Uh, all of them. I'm uh, as a fishing guide in Amsterdam. I, I have to release all fish, otherwise I can't have a, a guiding license. So it's strictly catch and release. So and to be honest, it's a freshwater fish. You know, if you yeah, compare it with tuna or yeah. anything like that, I know what you're saying. It's, it's just different. It's, it's so, a bit bland. Yeah. To be so the the live uh, action view that you can get to target fish, you're taking anglers out and actually going. There's a big fish over there at three o'clock. Cast twenty five yep. meters. Let that bait sink. You can actually coax an angler into and then watch that fish chase that lure. So exactly. That's then, uh, that, that's what we saw yesterday. And it's not cheating because. If you see a fish, that's only 10% of the whole thing because then the other 90% is about persuading the fish to bite and and that's a whole different ballgame than just seeing the fish. So that's like yesterday right. we were fishing for big big pike on a big lake and you know it's winter here in Holland, the water is cold, the fish, they are not really in spawning mode yet so they are still lurking around in the deeper water. And you, you, you target them with very slow sinking baits and not moving that bait, but still get it close in front of that, you know, the yeah. one meter fish. That That's it. And then, then you see that everything you do just slightly wrong, the fish off and they, they, they take off and uh, you won't catch them. So and you can learn from it. Yeah. Do you, do you fish a all- lot? A lot. Do you fish all year round? As you say, it's coming into winter now. You'd get pretty cold during the, uh, the winter months. Can you catch fish all year? All year long, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a closed season, uh, April and May, uh, but that's only a closed season for artificial and uh, dead bait. So you can still use worms, and that's great for perch and zander. So we we can we can fish then too. Uh, but every time of the year has got a very specific way of uh, approaching the fish. And, yeah. Uh, a different set of techniques that you use. Oh. So now it's more slow because the fish is slow. Uh, you, you have to really trigger them to bite you very to, passive. You gotta work uh, hard. And in the summer, it's much more active. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but still, if you if you find the key, if you crack the code, you can still catch good numbers. But uh, it, it's just very different from from summer fishing. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's a lot harder than chasing a sheila in a bar at Amsterdam. I can tell you that right now. But you said before. You don't keep any fish. Do you eat fish up there? Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, every year I go to Norway to fish for big cod. Not not like your cod. I think you have also some species, but like the European cod, the big yes. fat uh, ladies on the sea. And uh, I really love to take uh, 20 kilo of fillet of oh. halibut and, and cod back back home, but not not the Dutch freshwater fish. Yeah, but yeah. when you get the cod, how do you cook it? Yeah, your tell best us your wife. best your best recipe. Let my wife make it. She's, she's very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one I've heard so far. I let my wife make it. Mate, you are a true champion. That is ideal. I would say the same thing, but I don't let my wife touch my fish. Uh, I'm good. I'm good at householding. So. Uh... <laughs> Hey, Jewel from Ultimate Fishing Experience, UFX Fishing in the Netherlands. Look, 
we are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. You know, if anybody's interested, I love just chatting to people all around the world, just seeing how they fish, different types of ways they fish, different rules around fishing. Yeah. You know what? Because we all have the one passion, and that is fishing, fishing, girls, beer, and bars. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. When you're in Amsterdam, look me up. Oh, definitely. I've never been to Amsterdam, but I have been asked to go around the world. I've never left Australia, Jules, and uh, I'm very nervous about it, but my new partner wants me to get out and travel, and I guarantee when I come to Amsterdam, I'm going to see you. We're going to visit one of the cafes. We're going to go hit the pub, and we're going to – well, we've got women, so we don't need to look for them, but we'll go fishing, and we'll live target some big walleye, some big pike, a few, a few perch, whatever we can, and we're going to have a fat time, mate. Sounds brilliant. Look forward to meeting you. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. You have a, uh, you have a safe trip All on right. the water today. Thank you so much. See you later. Thank Bye. you, mate. Cheers. Bye. Over. Well, this week, Herb, we want to have a look at, I suppose, another part of fishing, and that is oyster farming. Yeah. Because we've got oyster farms all around Australia. Everywhere. I remember... Um, down in Tarthra. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I went out with a gentleman one morning, and what he does, he gets the Tarthra, the oysters there. Yep. He goes out in the farm in the morning. He gets in, on his boat. He gets them all, yep. takes them back to his little shack. He shucks them all, and then he goes home, and his wife delivers them all to the local restaurants that day. They do it every day. Really? Can you get any fresher than that? No, you can't. And how good are fresh oysters? Oh. Just natural is like, well, they say they're an aphrodisiac or whatever. I don't know about that, but they taste good. No, I love them with just a bit of lemon, salt and pepper. You can't beat that. No, nah, no, nah, they are one. And the other one is Coffin Bay. Yeah. And I went down there a couple of years ago. I was there to uh, you know, experience a little bit of four-wheel driving. Yep. How's this? And before we... <laughs> I went down there to four-wheel drive, right? Yeah. And, we, and we'll catch up with the oyster farmer, you know, very shortly. Yep. He, uh, I had a really good chat with him down there, and it's fascinating yeah. to know why that area is so popular. But we also went to a pig farm. Yeah. Okay, so we went to a pig farm for dinner. So <laughs> there was probably 50 pigs. Yeah. And there we are on this house with a big deck. There's probably about 20 of us, yeah. 25 of us. And there's a pig rotating on the spit, okay? Yeah. And then he stopped, he got it off, and it was magnificent. It was the best, best, best yeah, I've yeah. ever had. But I did feel for the other 50 pigs watching their mate. <laughs> <laughs> Spider. No. I, I couldn't believe we're eating a pig at a pig farm. Like, in front of all the other pigs. In front of all the other pigs. Oh, there goes Brian. <laughs> He's done for the week. <laughs> I did. I felt guilty. I would a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. I bet it was good. Oh, it was magnificent. Don't worry about that. So, (laughs) yeah. But I was lucky enough to be in Coffin Bay and... Some of the best oysters in the world. Absolutely. Well, he talks about that. So, have a listen. This is uh, me down in Coffin Bay. Okay, start to finish, we have a little bit of uh, Matthew Flinders history. My only man crush is Matthew Flinders. 26-year-old coming and doing what he did around Australia, I find... Nothing more than astounding. Put some waders on, which is the great equaler. Everyone looks bad in waders. And then we wade out to the town leash just out behind us here. Sit in the oyster in the water, eat oysters fresh out of the water. They can't be any fresher. It is a unique experience. And so you'll get taught about um, how oysters are grown from spat right through to maturity. 
um, the different systems, export, how the shed works, how the grading works, and of course get to eat oysters and a shucking lesson so you can shuck yourself. We're very, very fortunate here. Coffin Bay has you know, that amazing uh, reputation for having Australia's best oysters. And we're fortunate that the town lease is actually right in the middle of Coffin Bay itself. So the water that, that uh, comes into our bay is pristine, beautiful, clean water from the Southern Ocean. It's a basis system, so we get a, a chance with a food or plankton in the water. It is very big here. We have good tide flow and they're all things that encourage um, great oyster growth. It's normally about 18 months. Um, it can be a little bit quicker here in Coffin Bay, which is quicker than most other places in Australia. So the average is about 18 months. As it turns out, we only export 3% of oysters throughout Australia. So 97% are consumed within Australia. We certainly have the, um, the greatest reputation. Uh, interestingly enough, here in Coffin Bay, we have no marketing arm and we have no co-op. So the oysters literally exist on their own merits. So if you go anywhere in Australia, nine times out of ten when you go into a restaurant, it'll say Coffin Bay Oysters. I only wish we grew that many. <laughs> My previous life from becoming an oyster farmer was actually a builder. So I had the opportunity to build this in you know, this amazing spot here. We see Oyster HQ as a cellar door for oysters. Basically so you can come in and experience Coffin Bay's finest in Coffin Bay's finest location. The tours have gone crazy. So we're probably about 10,000 dozen through the tour business here alone. If we can turn over between 70 and 100,000 dozen, uh, then we're having a very good year. We have a lot of people that haven't tried oysters and this experience, although hard to replicate later in life, if you're gonna do it, this is the place to do it. It's just a different flavor than what you're gonna get in a restaurant. And most people come as a couple, one loves them, one kinda is 50-50. My job, I see it as converting the world one tour at a time. So most people, if, they, uh, if they're up for the challenge, and it is psychological, it just changes their perspective of what they're going to eat. I prefer that natural flavour. And when you get them fresh out of the water, it is a completely different experience than when you have them in a restaurant or, or anyone else. It's so fresh. It's beautiful. It is fascinating, that area. Oh. It is fantastic. To be able to sit there, take, put some waders on, walk over and you sit amongst the oyster beds they dive down they get a couple out they get you to shuck them and you eat them, eat them. Oh. it is fantastic you and can't as beat I, that as i always say if you go and do that always sit next to somebody who doesn't like the oysters because you'll get their ones yeah definitely up. but they do a heap of to different types of oysters yep what's your favorite oh look i do love natural yeah Oh yeah, you, you know what? I'm just nat natural. You just a natural out. man, yeah. not a Kilpatrick. Oh, I was Kilpatrick early. Yeah, and now I've changed. You've gone to natural. Yeah, Some I've people's tastes don't like natural oysters. They will eat them Kilpatrick because they're cooked. Yeah, they're pretty good on a barbie too. Don't shuck them. Just throw them straight on a barbie. Wait till they pop. Oh, pull them off, and they've sort of steamed in their own saltwater oh, juices. Yes. That is a, a, a probably one of the what, easiest ways to cook. What them. about Mornay? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Mornay Oyster Spider. I like the. I've got yeah, one for okay, you here. here right? is. I call this the Japanese or the Oysters Kapow. Now remember, <laughs> we did a cooking. We did a, uh, a, a one of those um, country shows. Yeah. Remember you? Yeah. Down in Lismore. And, <laughs> and we had some oysters, and you put these oysters kapow yeah. down, and the people are going, "Oh, where'd you get these from?" And we said we got him out of the creek around Sweary's the Creek Bridge <laughs> in the middle of Lismore. Wow, you should have seen the looks on their faces. <laughs> They're going, really? Yeah, yeah, we're up there this morning. We got four snappers and about 25 oysters. <laughs> we're banging them off the pylons. But uh, 
the the Japanese oyster spider, natural oyster, not cooked, a little slither of pickled ginger, a dab of wasabi, some cracked black, a little pinch of salt, and a squeeze of lemon. And oh my god, they are the best oysters because they're not cooked; they're still cool. Uh, you know, there's plenty of different ways to do them, but this is probably one of my favourite. Okay, run it over again. How do you do it? Natural oyster. You get a jar of pickled ginger. You buy it in your Asian shops or whatever. Yep. It's slithered ginger. It's pickled. It looks pink. Yeah. So a tiny Same slither. Same as what you get at uh, sushi. Sushi train. Yeah, whatever. So it's pretty much like it. It's a Japanese oyster. That's what I call it. The oyster kapow. And the kapow comes with, see, a little slither of pickled ginger. A dab of wasabi in the middle, a bit of cracked black, a pinch of salt. Maybe if you don't want too much salt, let it go if it's in if it's a good cough bay oyster. Yeah. Uh, and just a, a, a lick of lemon and straight down the gullet and that, that, that wasabi gives it a little pow as it Kapow. goes down. Yeah, boom, and the ginger just gives it that uh, beautiful... I would say gingeriness. <laughs> uh, I'm no chef, let me tell you. But they are awesome. So if ever I'm doing a spread of oysters, I usually do six natural, six Kilpatrick, and six oysters kapow. Rightio, Herbert, you're all about safety out there on the water. <laughs> but some things, this is when you're a bit younger and dumber. A little bit, yeah. Well, I'm still, I'm just a little bit older, but still just as dumb. Yes, this is a story probably to get everybody uh, aware, I suppose. This is Awareness Day. I mean, I was a young bloke. I was up in Cairns, and I had uh, back then, uh, you know, a mate of mine. He said, can't I'll take you out in the boat. Well, anyone that says that, I'm in. Oh, absolutely. And Cairns, one of the great spots of Australia. Out to the reef. I've I've never been. I was was probably about 22 or something. You would have been frothing. I was pumped. We took heaps of beer. We had, a, we had a sober driver, which I think oh. we should have had him on the beer because you'll find out about that. <laughs> anyway, the best boat is a mate's boat. You've got to say that. But this yeah. wasn't that occasion. So we've got in the boat. I think there was four or five of us. We've, we've travelled all the way out to the reef. Big Pro- case. Probably 60 k's out. Yeah. You know, we were a long way. We were 50-odd k's out. How from- big's the boat? It was only 18 foot, had right a 140 out. old two banger Jono oh, on the back. You know, it okay. sounded like an old ice cream container with a few nuts and bolts in it rattling around. <laughs> it was a piece of crap. It's, anyway, we headed off out to sea. As we rounded the headland, we're going past Fitzroy Island. This bloke could not work out his GPS. I'm trying to work it out. And at that time, he, he looks over at me and says, Well, it's not my boat. Oh, oh straight no. away. These are things, when you borrow someone's boat, you need to get the info on it the day before and what goes on and how to operate this vessel. How many people borrow someone else's boat? Is it often? I wouldn't, I'd be too scared. I would never lend my boat to anybody, Spider. Not me? Never. (laughs) (laughs) I've lent it to you once just to tow it around for your telly show, but that's about as far as it went. (laughs) Anyway, as we're heading out, I'm trying to work out his GPS. You know, we're all on board. We're having a beer. It's beautiful, calm weather, which is probably a good thing. We get all the way out. We've missed the reef. We've ended up at a sand cave. We're a long way out to sea. Pulled up on the sand cave, having a swim. Everyone's having a great time, you know. Oh, we're out in the water. Lewis, beautiful blue coral. This big sandbar. It was magnificent. Everyone's enjoying themselves. By then, I'd finally worked out the GPS. I said, there's a big reef just up to the north of us. We can head up there and have a fish. Is it a green zone? He said, I don't think so. I said, well, let's go hit it anyway. So we're traveling north. He's thinking, yeah, all sweet. We get to Nelly the fishing spot. Yep. Where I thought would be good. Yeah. To catch a trout. Absolutely. Do whatever. Next minute. 
We run out of fuel. No. Yeah. Now, now you can't. One thing you can't do with a boat is run out of fuel. Well, you can't really push start it. No, you can't. <laughs> Even if you got no fuel, you can't push start. It. The hard, and we didn't have a sail. We were in an eighteen-foot Yalta craft or something. I can't remember the name of the boat. It was not a bad old boat. So we run out of fuel. I look over at the skipper. He looks at me and he says, "Don't worry, Herbert. We got backup." I said, "Ah, oh, sweet." No worries. He pulls out a 20-litre drum. We just travelled 65-odd, 70 kilometres, right? <laughs> I said, is that all you got? He said, yeah. I said, how much did you put in the tank? He said, 140 litres. I said, well, that ain't going to get us far. <laughs> so we've decided we had a group meeting, which is the best way to go. Now, I want to put this out to people. You can get in touch with us on the Facebook, on the Anglers. Let me know if I'm wrong. I said, go slow. Do six knots to yeah. conserve fuel to get as far as we can. Yeah. He's saying go fast because we'll go further, but we won't go as long. Anyway. Good question. That is a good that question. That is a good question. Is it better to go fast? I would say slow. I would say slow too, but tide has an influence on that. Okay. So go if you've got tide against you, sometimes it's better to go fast. If you've got tide going with you, yeah, kick back, crack a beer and go slow all the way home. But I, I did the mass and anyone listening right now could do the mass. We burned through 140 litres and we got 20 back up and we're 70 k's out to sea. Well, that tank didn't last long. This, oh, There must have been a leak or something. How, I don't know. We burned through a lot of petrol. How many beers were left in the esky? Well, that was the first thing I looked for because, you know, we put the Safety twi- first. Yeah, we put the 20 litres in. I thought, nah, we'll be right. We'll get back to Fitzroy which is a fair hike. We could see it off in the distance, just. Yep. We're a long way out. So we start motoring back. Nah, ran out of 20 litres in about five, ten minutes, you know. Oh. No worries. I look in the esky. Heaps of stubbos, right? And the first thing I grabbed was a beer. Everyone's packing it. There's two Sheilas. They're packing cakes. Uh, three blokes. Where they're all shitting themselves a bit, and and oh, get the V sheet out and get that. I said, well, while you boys do all that, I'll keep hydrated. Yep, don't dehydrate out there. No, I've and seen the movie Wilson. Exactly. Don't dehydrate. And the biggest thing, we had bait. Okay. So I started fishing. I cracked the beer and started fishing. And all they could say was, you're going to fish at a time like this. I said, well, we're going to get very hungry soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I what said, else are you going to do? You're only floating. You're not doing anything. That's right. Did you anchor or did you just float? No, the anchor rope wouldn't reach the bottom. <laughs> right? So this only gets better. The anchor rope wouldn't reach the bottom. So we're at the perils of the ocean. Lucky it was flat. He's hung the V-sheet over the side of the boat. As best he could, uh, no radio reception. We could not, on the VHF, we could not get anybody. We couldn't get Cairns. We couldn't get Fitzroy. We couldn't get any other vessel. The radio's clapped out. So I'm under there having a look at wiring and that. Couldn't work that out real well. It was a pretty old boat. So we got no radio. We got no mobile phone reception. We got no, no petrol. You got five people on board. Five people on themselves board. and one bloke just going, we're here to fish. Yeah, we may as well drink and fish. <laughs> So I reckon I was about eight or nine deep and I caught a little parrotfish or something like that. I caught a couple of little fish and I thought, I don't care what size they are, I'm keeping them because immediate consumption and if you're in danger and you need something to eat, you're eating it. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's face it. I was looking at uh, the other bloke who is a bit muscly. I thought he'd be all right too. Yeah. If things go that bad, it was his boat. He's going to be the first to get eaten. Absolutely. Well, lucky enough, a trout boat was heading out and he decided to go south from Cairns and he's seen us in the distance. And they're all up there waving their arms, <laughs> waving out to this boat. He was still a few k's away. They would have looked like they're doing Oz aerobics on the boat. Oh, it was the most funniest thing I've seen. And they all look back at me and I'm sitting in the corner with a beer still fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't care less, you know. Unless that beer run out, I would have been waving my arms. So we're waving him down. We're waving him. Well, they're waving him down, and he, he does a big slow turn. I thought, oh, there goes me fishing. So this trout boats came in. What have you done? And I said to the captain, you can tell him. I'm not telling him. Well, it's a bit embarrassing. I said, you've got to get us home, mate. We've got 45 k's to get to Fitzroy. We're a long way from there still. So the trout bloke says, you know, we said, well, we'll pay you to tow us back to Fitzroy. We'll get fuel there and then we'll get back to the marina. So he hooks up a tow line. The first thing I asked him is, you got any beer on board, mate? <laughs> We're running low. Because <laughs> I wasn't driving, I didn't care. No, you know? it didn't matter. I'm happy. We get back to Fitzroy Island. Beautiful island. Yeah, you ever been island. there? No. Nah. <clears throat> Magic. Reef, skirts the island. You snorkel off the beach. Magic. Did we get to enjoy that? No. Pulled up at the jetty that paid the trout bloke some money. He didn't want to take it. Very nice people up there, yeah. fishermen. Yeah, they are. Very genuine. And that's the law of the water. You know, you help out other people. It will happen to you one day. Help everybody out except jet skiers. So <laughs> we've, we've, we've pulled up at the jetty. We've gone in. We're walking the island with, a, with our one jerry can asking for fuel. Uh, we finally found a bloke. He said, ah. Uh, yeah, I can get a little bit of fuel, mate, but not can't give you too much, you know, because he was Indigenous. He was a really nice bloke. So we go in there and he gets his little pump out and he fills up the 20 litres and he says, that's all I can spare. Yeah, that's fair. I said, all right. And I looked at the captain. I said, is that going to get us home? He said, oh, I don't know. I said, well, can you give us a bit more? We didn't have another jerry can. Now, he was charging us $3.75 a litre. $3.75 a litre. He'd seen you blokes come. For 20 litres. <laughs> uh, and they were offering him beers. I said, no, keep the beers no, there for us. pay the three seventy five. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you 4 bucks a litre. So we, we fill up the 20 in the boat. Same again. Do we go fast or do we go slow? He's decided to put it on the plane and try and get us going a bit and head to Cairns. Let's make it to the ramp. Well... One thing I didn't know at this time is one of the blokes, he wasn't the skipper, but he was on board. He'd taken a sickie that day to come out with us. And he worked at the Cairns Marina on the deck, on the dock. Uh-huh. We're coming past the dock and blah, 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 And we're still about two k's from the ramp. We've run out of juice again. No. Yeah, we've run out entirely, right? So we've rowed into the dock and there's all this bloke's workmates going, I thought you were sick today. Well, the look on his face, the pair of them got shamed. I was laughing and giggling my head off and I said, we only made it to this one dock because the tide was flowing and the fuel station was on the other side. So it was about a two-kilometre walk with this jerry can to get a little bit of fuel. I think there was some bloke filling up a yacht. He had 10,000 litres in it, so he put a splash in it. We put it in and we finally got home. Well, we were all red as beetroot. (laughs) We'd been out in the sun all day up in Cairns. Old mate nearly lost his job. You caught two little bloody crap fish. Fish that now they're on board because we've forgotten about them. And they're illegal. Because we, we yeah. didn't have time to eat them. 
So I'm trying to hide, chuck them over the side. Like, they're only little, and I felt bad. But, you know, I thought, if we're stuck here, we're going to eat raw fish. That's what we're going to eat. But anyway, I got rid of them. We finally got back to the ramp. Old mate nearly lost his job. The other skipper, well, he wasn't the skipper, wasn't his boat. He's not allowed to borrow the boat again. The two Sheilas are never going out to the boat again. <laughs> and I thought, that was a bloody good day. <laughs> oh, oh, we love it. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Preparation. Before trips is the key, Spider. Yep, the seven P's. Precise preparation prevents piss poor performance. Exactly right. Absolutely. So if you're going to do 70 miles out to 70 K's out to sea, make sure you've got double the fuel. Oh, what do they say? A third to go out, a third to come home, and a third for mucking around. Yep. Don't muck around with petrol, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's, it's, it goes quick. There you go, there's Herbert. That's his story of the week. <laughs> Over. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us this week. Next week, uh, we've still got another great show. We've got some tips from Andrew Simons. Now, the late, great Andrew Simons, who I, yeah, I did a couple of uh, fishing shows with him, and I thought I'd get some of his tips, the way he cooks his uh, barramundi and oh, yeah. some ideas, because he was a great fisherman. Great fisherman. And I actually played hockey against Andrew Simons way back in the day. Did down you? at Labrador Tigers we were, I think we were called. And he was all saints. He was in the upper class, you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, we'll talk about that next week. Also, we talk, we, we go and check in with a guy who fishes a very unusual way. Yeah. Bow fishing. Oh, cool. I've always wanted to do this, Spider, and I wanted to hear about how they do it. So this will be very interesting. Yep. Plus, Ask Me Herb, that's all next week. Thanks for joining us. Make sure uh, you do check us out on all the socials. But until uh, next week, take it easy. Yep, stay safe on the water. Over.